This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, you're listening to In Your Opinion. I'm Ernest Lewis, SD's podcast editor, and I'm going to introduce you to our new assistant podcast editor, Linda Hong, and she's going to be helping me helm this show going forward. Thanks, Ernest. So for this episode, it comes about after Singapore's transport authorities had recently U-turned its decision to fully change from the older card-based ticketing system such as EasyLink and Net Flash Pay to an account-based system in Simply Go. We'll talk about the issues and longer-term lessons learned after the negative reactions from this recent incident. So actually, more importantly, these are the questions that we want to look at in this podcast episode. What does it take to communicate change for major policies better to Singaporeans? It could be simply go this time, but it could be any major policy that affects many people the next time round. Is a one-size-fits-all approach even possible in the current climate? You know, the adapt and change by a hard deadline or be left behind. Or do we have more varied and different demographic groups now failing to grasp all these rapid changes instantly? So to discuss these themes, our first guest is Nita Lachmandas, is the founder of Conscious Service, a training and consulting company. She was formerly an executive director of the Institute of Service Excellence at the Singapore Management University and assistant chief executive of the Singapore Tourism Board. She also wrote the book Stay Relevant to Stay Profitable. Welcome, Nita. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. And we also have Associate Professor Helen Koh from the Singapore University of Social Sciences, or SUSS for short. Prof Koh specialises in gerontology, or the focus on seniors. She has pioneered development of several programmes for older persons, trained thousands of management staff and professionals from the public, private and non-profit sectors. And she has also counselled and coached numerous older adults. She has also, by the way, authored six books and her latest is called Longevity in Singapore, Implications and Opportunities for Individuals and Society. Hi, Prof Ko. Hi. Hi. So let's start off by asking Nita, um, in your expertise with product delivery and customer service, how has the role of technology in customer service evolved over the years? Oh, wow. That's a very loaded question, um, isn't it? obviously has evolved tremendously over the years and we see the application of it becoming more and more frequent. So where we used to, you know, where we used to shop, we now shop online. Where we used to eat food, we now have delivery services. And in all the aspects of our life, with banking, healthcare, we're seeing more and more technology playing a part in the delivery of the service. I think the question that we need to ask ourselves is, when the providers of technology, do they understand the needs of the customer as that technology is being provided? And do we often enough actually go back and ask that question before we implement a technology? So do you think customer service is, you know, usually, how is it usually structured for, you mentioned just now that what we have used to be shopping offline, we're doing it online now, but how has the structure of these two been different? And I think that's where a lot of the uh, discussions are happening now and perhaps some of the issues and perhaps even with Simply Go, you know, that is a pertinent issue to discuss as well because 
Tech, there's no doubt about it that technology has been a good thing. So let's put that up front mm. uh, first. But I think from a customer experience perspective, we have to move away from the mindset that technology has brought convenience, but is convenience the only thing that customers are looking for? Because when I shop online, it is really, really convenient. But is that the only thing that customers are looking for? I would argue that in certain circumstances, maybe customers are looking for something different. In the area of food delivery, it is extremely convenient. But if the food comes cold, if the food, you know, tastes, it's degraded tremendously by the time it leaves the restaurant and gets to my house, then what does it mean by way of convenience vis-a-vis -vis the customer experience? And actually, I mean, the, the complication here is when we're talking about like policies, right, for the nation, right? And, and it has a great impact on people. There's more to consider that, than just the user interface, as you have said, and the customer experience. We're talking about like communications, explaining this, how it's going to work, how to tailor it to different generations. After all, every generation ages in a different at different speeds, right? We react to technology at different speeds. So what, what do you think was crucial here in this entire uh, recent Simply Go saga? Um, I, I would, firstly, I would hesitate to assume mm. that it was the older generation that uh, yeah. was the only generation. Yeah. I think we have a, um, we, we, we run into demographics really, really quickly. Uh, right. And it was interesting. I was actually at Nanyang Polytechnic uh, mm. just last week talking to a bunch of second and third year students. And I asked them, I said, how many of you want to see when you tap the card, the balance and how much you've spent. And I would say 99% of the class put up their hand as right. well. You know, So that was an interesting data point for me as well, that actually maybe it's not just the older generation. I think when you are communicating, and it can be technology, but it can be any other policy as well. What I think is very, very important is to communicate upfront all the things that are going to impact the policy users as much as you can predict. So in this case, you know, a pilot was done and perhaps there was some understanding as to what was appreciated and what was not appreciated. People need to not just be sold the upside, they need to also be communicated to as to how they are going to handle the challenges and more importantly, is there going to be support for them when they handle the challenges? So Prof... To pose this question to you, how have seniors been keeping up with rapid changes in technology over the years? Well, I would say that they have been able to keep up, but not without challenges. In fact, if I may just cite a study you know, by Duke NUS Care Centre for Aging Research and Education, many seniors have highlighted that technology was a challenging aspect in the whole of society, actually, not just the workplaces. But and also in a, in a survey by the Infocom Development, uh, Media uh, Development Authority, IMDA, it was also reported that less than 6 in 10 um, of residents aged 60 years and above are internet users compared to about 9 in 10 of all residents. And, uh, and amongst all age groups, seniors were the least technologically savvy. Yeah. So many seniors felt that they, they were unable to keep up with technological advancements. Although, I having said that, despite their struggle with technology, 
many have accepted technological change as a necessary progression and so they're willing and prepared to learn and you know recognize the benefits of technology. So how do you think you know we can tailor instructions to be different for seniors then? Okay, now this is actually an area of instructional design yeah, known as gerogogy, right, which is the art and science of teaching seniors. SUSS has actually partnered Council for Third Age and uh, we have developed some guidelines related to this area. So this publication is actually available with the Singapore Standards Council and also based on my own empirical research on instructional design for seniors, I've also generated a model as well as distilled several principles for teaching older adults. Yeah. Now, because of time constraint, I will just focus on several most pertinent ones. First of all, I think uh, I would say that what came up for my research is, of course, the review part is very important. You know, uh, frequent reviews of the content, whatever that you are trying to impart, and using multiple modalities basically to reinforce mm. all right, the learning. All right? So, for example, you could use videos. All right? uh, you could use not just didactic kind of teaching methods, but they can bring it home with them, the videos, and they can review it again and again, you know. The next one is regulate. Right? Regulate meaning that your instructions should be bite-sized, not too much, not too soon. Right? This is being cognizant of seniors, um, uh, the age-associated, uh, the decline in information processing abilities. So understanding your, the seniors is really very important. So really understanding, in fact, in my model, I actually mentioned empathizing, empathizing, eh? which is really you know, about understanding seniors, your audience. So that is the second R. Now, the third R is relevance, using methods that are relevant for seniors. The research has shown that a lot of seniors do want to have... Um, they, they appreciate more hands-on practical learning. Mm. Yeah? And uh, because many seniors are also, they lack confidence. So enhancing their confidence is another aspect to that. Now, I was quite intrigued when I, when I carried out that research and see how my research was on how successful instructors engage seniors. How, why, why were they successful? Yeah. And what I found was that they, they consciously leverage on seniors as a resource. In other words, you know, seniors possess a lot of uh, you know, life experiences, skills, and so they consciously leverage on them as a resource. Seniors, they do not want to be positioned as recipients only. Right? Mm. They also want to contribute. You know, they feel that you know, I'm ca I can contribute. You know, I, I'm you know, able to share my, my knowledge with others. And it also reinforces their own learning you know, as they mm. teach others. Yeah, so peer learning actually has been found to be a very effective strategy. So even in Simply Go, and in, you know, back to this, the app, if we can um, um, get seniors, for example, who have been uh, successful in learning this, they could actually be uh, mobilized, utilized, harnessed, right, to to teach other seniors, and and they are role modeling for other seniors. I mean, you don't have to have a campaign by a hard deadline, you just do it in small steps as Prof Ko has mentioned. And also, like I like this idea of like uh, practical workshops maybe yes. where they can contribute their life yes. experiences and all that. Yeah. Yes. I think, you know, this idea of empathy in design, mm. empathy as you design a product or a service, in the case of policy, obviously, you're, you're designing policy, I think is a very, very powerful concept 
understanding that, you know, for example, my mother, it took her maybe four or five hours to figure out just how to swipe her iPad open. We got her an iPad so she could communicate with her kids all over the world, you know. But we didn't expect that just figuring out how to swipe the device was going to be an obstacle that she needed to learn through. So um, I'm reminded of a, a letter that actually appeared in the forum page of the Straits Times where a lady wrote about her mother's experience of trying to donate money to the President Star Charity. Mm. And I think they had moved away from making a phone call to scanning a QR code, right? And she said her mother just could not figure out how to scan the QR code and eventually had to ask her daughter to donate the money for her, I think. That's what the letter said. But I think the most important point, which I think Prof has also brought up, uh, was the last point she made, which is it made my mother feel like she... She, you know, you make them feel like they are not able to contribute anymore. You are kind of excluding them now. And I think that's something to be very aware of as we design policy, Mm. especially in in a country like Singapore where we have an aging population. Uh, We do need to make sure that we keep people feeling like they're part of the community. And nobody does it intentionally, but sometimes... Technology is moving so fast and people are moving so fast and they're designing so fast that you may hit obstacles that you never even thought about. Mm, yeah. I, I just want to add on to that that point. One very, very important, which I put it at the heart of all the hours, all right, is re-examining. In other words, society as a whole, as well as individuals, as well as practitioners, those who are trying to impart their skills, uh, I mean, they did teach seniors, all right? they really would have to, and policymakers as well, would really need to re-examine their own misconceptions, myths that they have been uh, harboring all right, uh, about seniors. Because many of us really disable, disempower seniors because we need to uh, really re-examine you know, what we have held on to for many years and recognise that seniors are not... I mean, they have lived many years. They are capable. In fact, the research has also shown that they are capable and willing to learn, but they need a little bit more time. So re-examining our own attitudes is very important because it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you, you as the instructor, think that they cannot learn, then they are not going to be able to learn. Actually, I wanted to ask you this. I mean, like my producers, they're all in their late 20s or even my temp as well. She's like 21. Ultimately, they will age. You know, now they're in their late 20s, 21, but they will age and there will come a time when they are no longer able to cope with the technologies, maybe say in 20 years' time. Do you think that is going to be an ever-present in this so-called digitalizing of the world? So one of the points I just want to again reinforce or add on to what Nita has mentioned, this thing about empathy, because that actually in my model, I have a three-phase model that I've generated. First, the first most crucial ingredient for any instructor or anybody trying to you know, coach or teach seniors, empathize mm. first, most crucial. And when I talk about empathy, you know, really understanding them holistically, not just, I mean, the psychological part is important, but physically, psychologically, socially, even the cultural dimension. Take, for example, the cultural dimension of saving face. All right? mm. That is a very, very important cultural component. 
that, you know, when we teach seniors, right, do we also pay attention to that? You do not want to embarrass them. Yeah. So this is where, you know, even when you do it, when, when you say certain things, you would have to be uh, aware of these nuances and, and you know, be, be very sensitive to that. So, so that's empathizing. Of course, then the, the next phase will be engaging and the third phase will be empowering. Right? So, so that is the, the three-phase model that I've generated. But, but the whole idea is really that the empathy is really crucial. And I noticed that a lot of the um, technology has been designed by younger people. So if you put yourself in the shoes of mm. the 60 or 70 year, year old, most younger people will be more sensitive uh, to that. Having said that, though, I would like to just add a couple of points. Mm. Firstly, empathy in design is not just a issue of seniors versus you, you know uh, young people if you go to a number of the apps today and you want to try and contact somebody for example or yeah. call you know it's hard to find so this is a design issue I think and I also want to just uh, say that I do think the Singapore government actually has been doing a good job through PA I believe of educating the seniors on using technology it's not that they have not been doing anything but maybe these things just take a little bit more time and the communication of it, I think, needs to be a lot clearer. Yeah. So, Nita, it also ties in with what you have just said with the opinion piece that you recently wrote to The Straits Times where you cited the Customer Satisfaction Index of Singapore study on food delivery platforms. That was The study was published in December 2022. And you've already mentioned empathy, which was also mentioned in your opinion piece and that Empathy is one of the most important drivers of customer satisfaction. Apart from food delivery, what were some of the examples, you know, that you have also come across that is perhaps unempathetic in your observations? If you go to many of the apps, they are designed in such a way that they almost make you feel like they don't want to hear from you, you know. <laughs> go figure yourself out and you have to struggle to find like someone to And talk I don't to. think we're the only ones. I was watching this video. There are these people in other countries complaining about these bots and the apps exactly. that they are exposed exactly to in their the own countries. So Singaporeans are not alone. No, no, it's not. Yes. It's, it's, I think, a function of a much more productive society where things are moving fast, you know. So you do see empathy. If you talk about some of the banking issues that happened in the last few years, right, where people call up the contact centre because they were being scammed or whatever, one can argue that the response was not very empathetic to the fact that they were being scammed, you know. If we look at many, many aspects of our lives, uh, whether we are old or whether we are young, we, we do need to think about when we are putting in place because everybody is under pressure now to digitize. Digital transformation is like the catchphrase, right? But are we actually going back to the ethos of why we are digitizing? What is the service that we are offering, you know, and how is that service going to be enhanced to the customer as we do it. And I think that's the frame that we need to put on. Even as we say, yes, we want to digitize, we must. What is the job to be done when we're digitizing? Everything here in Singapore needs an app, right? You go to this supermarket, it might need an app. Yes. You go to this, who yes. knows, every shop you go to, yes. just to blow your hair, so you'll need an app. Yes. Um, it can be quite intimidating and prof. Please feel free to jump in because, you know, on the one hand, we're telling seniors 
or the older generations, you know, okay, be careful of apps, you know, you, yes. you might download things yes. that yes. you're not sure. But yes. then if you have everyone's trying to get onto this app bandwagon, how, yeah. how, do, you, Correct. how do you even explain Correct. that? Which, which yeah. makes the role of communication even more important, right? And which is what I had put in my editorial piece, that people are hearing double messages like beware of the apps, beware of scams, you know, be careful. And then on the other hand, it's like download, 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 you know. <laughs> and at some point, um, maybe there is a better way beyond an app, uh, you know. Or if we want them to download an app, the process of 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 introducing the app to be downloaded downloaded mm. needs to be thought about. So, Prof, that's your yes, point, right? Yes. Bite size. Yes, bite size. And yeah. then really, I mean, fundamentally asking ourselves, is it really necessary to have the apps to do the, the work? Mm. Uh, are there some, some alternatives? So, this is something that we need to be very aware. And the other point that I want to make is that, you know, aim for universal design. But basically, universal design, meaning that it could be catered, not just the young versus the old, you know, which is a, very valid point that Nita mentioned as well. But even for those with disabilities or any kind of cognitive impairment or, you know, with, with certain limitations, certain challenges, would they be able to use it? Yeah, so designers, I mean, that would be a, a challenge that I, I would pose to them. Can somebody else with certain limitations, cognitive limitations, be able to use it? Not just old or young, because there are some seniors who are very, very high-functioning, right? yeah. highly competent. All right, They'll put us to shame. <laughs> okay. I mean, I have an 80-plus-year-old client previously, and he was like, Oh, wow. Even years ago, you know, using the iPad and, you know, the iPhone, like, you know, and tr truly would put us to shame. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, we, we cannot assume that just because they are old, and he was already in his 80s, all right, that they are incapable of learning, that they, you know, because seniors are a very, very heterogeneous group. A 70-year-old compared to another 70-year-old, highly diverse, very, very different, one from the other. So I think this is something that we really need to bear in mind, which brings me to that point about re-examining our own attitudes and beliefs about older people. Yeah. But do you think that with the way technology is progressing now, would it isolate seniors in time to come? Well, I would say that the rapid changes proliferation of technology, I think that is the problem because it's the pace, right? It is not just the technology per se, but it's the pace at which it is moving, yeah? Um, so generally speaking, seniors may, because of age-associated changes in terms of information processing, in terms of memory, um, so they may need a little bit more time to catch up. So in a sense, it could be a challenge, but really understanding the profile of the senior is very, very important, yeah. So different cohorts would have different experiences. Yeah. And so understanding again, back to that empathy part, you know, empathy and understanding them. All right. When we in any kind of design. Yeah. But it takes the whole of society to integrate and to include older adults so that they will not be uh, socially isolated. By whole of society, I do not mean just the government, but really the workplaces, companies in particular, and um, community-based organisations, uh, even families, family caregivers, family members, all, all should play a part. Yeah, yeah I think um, especially when you are designing something for citizenry, right? 
then perhaps there needs to be greater thought. I mean, if I'm a private company and I'm designing an app for a very niche audience, well, go for it. You know, that's that's your prerogative. So even as you are designing, I, I think a lot of consideration needs to be given as to who the consumer is going to be. And it is hard. Empathy is actually one of the hardest skills. Uh, it's probably the hardest. Empathy is seen as a very soft word, like a very soft skills. I think... The word empathy is frankly misunderstood. Empathy is a very difficult skill to adopt. It requires a serious amount of self-awareness, a serious amount of discipline in the way you, you look at something. So, you know, Satya Nadella, when he took over Microsoft, actually told his entire staff, he found a book on empathy and he said that that was the one book he wanted them all to read on empathy because that would make them better at their workplace. Yes, I mean, really, empathy would have to translate to tangible programs, um, designs, um, mm. services, and mm. all that would have to follow, yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's a wrap for In Your Opinion. Thanks, Nita, for your input. Thank you. It was great to be here. And I, and I think uh, it's a subject matter that would so, so help all of us if we talked about more. Thank you, Prof, for your inputs as well as to giving us an insight on how seniors actually learn. Thank you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I am um, uh, honoured to be here to, to share with you some of these um, uh, approaches and strategies and I do hope that um, it, it will be implemented uh, right, um, widely. Yeah, thanks. Well, that's a wrap for In Your Opinion. I'm Linda Hong. And I'm Ernest Lewis. You can email us your thoughts on this issue also, if you'd like to read SD articles or opinion columns, all these links are in our podcast show notes. Thanks for listening. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or within our Straits Times app. Thanks for listening.